at the beginning of this year, I, I'm not a big New Year's resolution person, so like that's, that's I don't want to say it my New Year's resolution, but it, it was a resolution that I made at the beginning of the year, um, was that I really wanted to be more consistent uh, with my reading, right? I, I try to get in the Word every day, you know, it's, it's, it's important, but I think all of us know that sometimes it can slip down our list of priorities, you know, it's... Uh, in leadership, we, we have this thing we look at whether something is important or whether it's urgent. And I think a lot of times the things in life that are urgent can really kind of creep their way and overtake those things that are important. Um, but so the beginning of this year, I, I made that resolution and I decided I'd never read through the Bible chronologically. So I thought it would be really cool to do a chronological Bible reading plan. So I went on Blue Letter Bible, found a reading plan, and I've been following it. And so, I, you know, if, if I continue it on the pace that I've been going, I will have read the whole Bible chronologically, you know, at the end of the year. You guys know how many chapters you have to read a day to finish the Bible in a year? Three? No, I don't, I don't know. It's starting me out four and five a day, all right? Four and five of Genesis and Job, and, and it's, uh, it's been a lot, but it's, it's been a, a super blessing, you know. It's, uh, I was talking to another brother about this. I've been having to find everywhere I can to tuck in Bible reading, you know, where I used to check Facebook or I used to, you know, check out the internet or watch a quick YouTube video or something. I'm having to, you know, if I want to keep up, I have to read it because it it starts getting daunting when you have like three days you've missed and each one's four chapters. (laughs) You're like, okay, now I got to catch up. And I'm, I'm like a little, little OCD. Like what's keeping me going is I started on the first. So if I continue, I will finish on the 31st. Now, you know, the app I use to keep track of my reading has a little handy feature where I can reset the date. You know, it's like, oh, catch yourself up. But then I won't finish on the 31st. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been interesting, but it's, it's really been a blessing. And uh, I want to encourage you guys. This is the perfect time, even though you, you might not have started on the 1st. Get a reading plan. Um, I know my plan for a long time was I'll just read something every day right? And, and that sounds like a good plan until that the day comes and, you know, it's seven, eight at night and you're like, man, I didn't read anything. And then you're trying to find something to read. You're looking around. Um, and so there's, there's a saying that goes around my workplace a lot in management. And it's, uh, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail, right? So make sure you guys have a plan on how to get that reading in. Make sure you, you have something laid out. But so what I'm going to be teaching on today is the book of Job. So I started out uh, I was just going to talk about Job chapter 38, um, and as I went through it, I was like, well, I can't really talk about 38 unless I talk about chapters 1 and 2, and I can't really talk about that unless I talk about 42. So we're just going to do a survey of the entire book of Job. Um, so I, I think, I, I pray it'll be a blessing to you guys, but Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. We have, we have one of the oldest manuscripts of it. Also, the, the Hebrew that's used in Job is, is older than a lot of the other books. So because of that, it's believed that it was written sometime between Noah and Abraham was when the book of Job was written. All right, so let's go ahead and let's look at who Job was. Go ahead and open to Job chapter 1. Job is right next to Psalms because Job's a, a poetical book of the Bible. And so we'll go ahead and start in verse 1. It says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. 
and seven, uh, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. So we see Job. Job's a a man that's blameless before God. And that can kind of be a a tricky word. Blameless um, does not mean sinless. So it doesn't mean, you know, he was perfect in any way. But what blameless meant was that his his people, the peers and, and the people he was with, had no charge to bring to him. As far as they could tell, you know, he was an upright guy, he handled business, he, he kept his word, did the things he said he was going to do. Um, but this doesn't always mean he was sinless. So I just want to clarify that right away. A lot of times we'll read, you know, that someone was blameless in the Bible, but we can't compare that to, to Jesus Christ in any way. But so he was blameless, and you see that he was very affluent, very wealthy, right? Back, back then, um, you know, livestock and things like that were money. Right, so it goes into great detail, and we'll get around to why it goes into such great, te- great detail about how much livestock that Job actually had. And so he was very affluent, very wealthy. He had a great family. Right, he had seven sons and three daughters, um, and each of the the sons would take turns inviting the daughters over uh, for you know dinner on Sunday. And so I just, I thought, you know, if that's not a picture of, of someone that's raised his family well, you know, if you have 10 kids, and any of you guys that have kids here can testify to this, if my son and daughter are inviting each other for dinner when they were growing up, I would have done a good job, because right now they, uh, you know, it's, it's hard enough to keep them in the same room together sometimes. Um, but so Job obviously did, did a good job. He raised his kids well, they love each other, they love the Lord, um, and you know, Job, even as a parent, goes that step further and says, well, just in case, just in case there's some sin that's going on with my son or going on with my daughters, after they, they get together and have the, these meals, I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to make a sacrifice to the Lord just to make sure if anything did happen. So yeah, this was Job, and, he, and he's doing everything in his power that he can to, to raise this family up, right? And so now let's take a look at, at what's going to happen to Job, right? So um, when we look at this and we see that Job's blameless, you know, we would think, man, he's, he's got to be blessed. He's got to have a great life. Um, but let's, go, let's skip down to verse 13 and uh, read what happens to Job. So now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabines raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So Job gets his messenger, he comes in, and he says, Lord, they kill all the oxen and the donkeys, right? And so back in, in, in this time, your oxen and your donkey, those were your, like, working animals, right? Those were the animals that would plow the field. They would carry things. 
Um, and so he has bad news. They're all dead, and they killed your servants that were with him, right? So that's bad news. Then it says, while he was still speaking, so before this, this messenger can finish his message, another came in and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So he's like, man, there goes my, my animals, that are my working animals. And then another catastrophe happens. All of his, you know, food, the sheep, you know, this was also very important for the sacrifices and things like that. Going on in verse 17. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. So, you know, keep this in mind. Job's getting all this information within a couple minutes, right? He's, this is all hitting him. And before it's done, he says, and, and while he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are dead and I alone have escaped to tell you. Man, what a day. I mean, I know, I know you and I have had some, some rough days, right? We've had some, some days that, that were hard, and, um, you know, thank the Lord that he brought us through it. But this was a bad day for Job, right? He's pretty much lost his entire family. He's lost all of his, his wealth. Um, you know, really anything that's, that's, that's really dear to him, he's lost, except, you know, his wife remains. Um, and, you know, obviously he's got his relationship with the Lord, but everything else has just been stripped away from Job's hands. Um, so the, the livestock represented his wealth and his status, and then his children, that was like Job's future, right? That was his lineage, the inheritance that, that he would get. Um, we can see, you know, how much his children meant to him by the fact that he was sacrificing, waking up early. Um, we also see here like a, a strategy of Satan's, right? Um, we, we didn't read this passage, but God allowed Satan to do this to Job. Um, and Satan's strategy is to maximize the, the most damage he possibly can at, at what I would argue is, is the time when Job was most vulnerable. Um, and so it shows that character of Satan, and it, it's, it's important for us to remember that in any of these areas of our life, whether it's wealth or um, our family, or we'll see here in a minute, our health, anything like that, um, we've got to put up strongholds and not let the enemy get any kind of foothold in those areas, because if, if the world comes and takes that away from us, um, you know, we, we want to be sure that it doesn't shake our, our walk with the Lord. So let's let's look at Job's reaction. So, you know, think about yourself, right? If this was you, if you just got this news, right? We can equate it to today, right? Your cars just blew up, someone stole them. You know, your house collapsed with all your family in it, and now it's just you, right? Just just picture that. And this is Job's reaction in verse 20. Then Job arose, uh, Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. That's, uh, that was convicting for me, you know, reading that. Whenever, like, we feel that things didn't go the way they should, or, you know, we feel that we've been mistreated, or didn't get something that we did deserve... I know my first reaction is, is I need an explanation, 
right? I need to know why this happened, why, you know, why God would do this to me, or what did I do to deserve this? You know, I need an accounting. I need, I need someone to come and tell me what exactly happened. Um, but we see Job's reaction is that much, much kind of like a child's would be, right? If something bad happens to a child, what's the first thing they want? They want their mom. They want their dad. They want to be close. And we see Job draw himself to his father. He drew himself to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, you, you, ta- you give and you take away. Um, and I just, I want to, you know, submit and be, be in your will and, and be near to you. Um, John still, uh, Job still remains blameless. Um, he doesn't curse God at this point. He's not even crying out about why did you do this, Lord, or how could you do this? How dare you do this? Anything like that. Um, he's simply saying, Lord, he's giving it to the Lord, essentially. He's saying, Lord, this is in your hands. I want to submit myself to you. So as if this wasn't enough, right? Job remains blameless. You know, he's, he's still good. But let's go ahead. We'll pick up in uh, chapter 2, verse 7. And it says, So Satan went uh, out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still uh, hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this Job did not sin with his lips. So, you know, as we said, Job's wife, right, that's his only, the remaining family that's left. And she's not much help to him, right? He, uh, he gets sick now, so now he's got boils all over his skin, and he's, he's having to scrape his skin with, with these pieces of a pot. And his wife just says, just curse God and die, you know? And I think, I don't think, you know, the, the way we can read it is, is very cruel, but I, I think it comes from a place of, of pity. Like, she's seeing so much pain for her husband that she said, be better off if you were dead than for you to be living through all of this, this pain and suffering that you have, right? Um, but, you know, Job, being the, the upright man that he is, you know, rebukes his wife. And he says, you know, this isn't, this isn't what we're called to be. You know, we're called to, to take the good with the bad. You know, how can we praise God for the good, but then when adversity comes, curse him um, like he, he doesn't know uh, what he's doing. Um, so we noticed there in the beginning, you know, it said that Satan left the presence of God. And so I couldn't help but, but bring this up. I've actually, there's been like three different instances recently where I've got to talk to someone about like Satan and demons and, and that sort of thing. And it seems to be really prevalent right now. And a lot of people have questions about it. But a few things I wanted to point out here is that this wasn't, uh, you know, Satan versus God type situation. A lot of times in the world, that's how it can be painted is that, you know, it's this battle, this, this battle raging. And at the end of time will be the final battle royale to see who the winner is, right? But the Bible teaches us that's not at all how it works, right? God is creator and Satan is a created being. Um, and so when Satan wants to do this to Job, he has to go to the Lord for permission, 
right? He can't just decide, I'm going to wreck God's people and be done with it. It all is coming through God. God is allowing all of it, right? And so I find that a, a bit of encouragement for when I'm going through my own, you know, attacks and when the enemy is attacking me. You know, um, me and Nathan were kind of joking back there this morning. Uh, I come in, the internet's not working, right? That we can't get the printer to print. The, this, this projector was all kind of crazy colors. There's no water left, right? The one time that I'm speaking, there's absolutely no water in the back. Um, and so, you know, it's just funny how those little things, you know, during, during a time when we're trying to step out in faith for the Lord can, can be adding up. But it brings me encouragement to know that all those things, all those, you know, what seem like nuisances, um, God is, is allowing to happen. God knows that they're happening. He sees them happening. Um, and it's, it's part of his will. So I just want to encourage us to find, you know, encouragement in that. If, if you're going through a time like that, know that God knows that it's happening. God sees it. Um, God has allowed it to happen. Um, and once we can, can make peace with that, we can allow ourselves to try and figure out what God's trying to teach us through it right? What, what's the reason I'm going through it? You know, that's the, that's the question I'm trying to challenge myself to ask. Not why am I going through this, but what's the reason God is allowing me to go through this? And so I can, I can pull out those lessons that he has. Um, so yeah, we see here that, that God still doesn't sin. Um, the preceding chapters, we're going to skip about 35 chapters here, but the preceding chapters are uh, Job's friends come and they try to, uh, to console Job and they try to, uh, you know, um, they say they're there to mourn with him. And, and what it turns into is his friends accusing him that if God is doing all these things to you, it must be because you're sinning. There has to, you know, search your life. There has to be some sin that you're unrepentant of. And that's why God is allowing this to happen to you. That's why God is doing these things to you. And throughout the entire dialogue, Job stays true. And Job insists, no, I, I've searched myself. You know, you all know me. I, I have no sin. But what does end up happening is Job starts to to ask questions and and it's not really the questions that get him in trouble it's when he starts to doubt you know he starts telling the the lord that it would be better if you wouldn't have let me ever be born it would have been better if you would have just killed me in my mother's womb than to let me you know go through all of this life and now you know such pain and hardship and and job really goes through a, a period where he doubts you know he's asking god to answer him god's not asking answering him he's god's staying silent and this goes on for quite a while so the one thing that stuck out to me as i'm i'm reading through this keep in mind this took place back in the old testament you know this was between noah and abraham's time and so this was before Moses, right? So there was no scriptures, right? I mean, not even, you know, the Genesis or any of that. There was no, nothing um, that where God's word had been written down. Um, and so really the only way that they could get that, that comfort or that guidance was to hear directly from God. And so Job is pleading and asking for the Lord to answer him, and there's no answer. And while I was, when I came to that revelation, while I was reading through Job it really just made me grateful that we have the Bible, right? I was talking to someone not too long ago the other day, and, and you know, we were talking about, oh, how the Lord speaks to us and, you know, how we can speak to the Lord through prayer and different kind of things. And uh, we got talking about the Bible and how the Bible is God's word. It's living and breathing. And, you know, just 
I, I was reminded of that when I was going through Job. I've read Job before many times, but it seems, you know, I'm sure you guys have all had this. You read a book that you've read 10, 12 times, and you're like, man, I never noticed that before. Or, wow, that connection is crazy. I never thought that, you know, I, I've, I never thought I'd learn something new from this book. And so it just made me grateful, and I just wanted to pass it on to you guys to, you know, if you're feeling like God's not talking to you or you're not hearing from God, just remember, we have his word. And, and we're in a better place than Job ever was to be able to hear from the Lord, right, if, we, if we're just seeking him. Um, but so, as I was saying, Job's, you know, getting to a point where he's, he's almost demanding that God answer him, and, and Job's going to get his wish. Um, but it, it might not be the answer he was expecting. So I wanted to ask, like, what's our response to hardship, right? So these 35 chapters we're, we're kind of skipping over, um, you know, Job's response was to draw close to the Lord and, and really kind of pray through it. You know, a lot of it is, is dialogue with his, his friends that have come to see him. But, but a good portion of what Job's doing is he's seeking the Lord. He's, he's trying to find the Lord. Now, yes, he does let doubt creep in a little bit, but, but still, I, I had to admire the way that Job sought the Lord in this time, the way that he, he said, you know, um, there was, so, you know, all throughout the 35 chapters, he says, you know, I'm not the one to say, the Lord is the one to say, um, and he, he kept putting it back on the Lord. But, you know, in our, in our worst days, what's our response? What, what do we say to the Lord when we have those times? Um, you know, in, in those times, God doesn't ask us to understand, right? God, God's not saying, you have to get it. You have to understand why I'm doing this. Job certainly didn't understand, right? But what God wants us to do is draw closer to him and to trust that he is good. Trust that he knows what's going on and that he's going to see it through. So, you know, I was going through this and, you know, I wanted to look up some verses that I can remember whenever I feel like God is, is far away or I feel like God isn't there for me. Um, and so I looked up uh, some of these promises that God's, God makes. And so the first one, you don't have to flip here, I'll just read them. Um, but the first one is when God sent Israel into the promised land in Deuteronomy 31.6. He said, Be strong and of courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So that one was was pretty strong. Um, in Psalm ninety four fourteen, it says, "For the Lord will not cast off His people, nor will He forsake His inheritance." And then uh, once, uh, when uh, Moses wasn't going to be allowed to go into the Promised Land, and Joshua was taking over leadership, um, this was what the Lord told Joshua. He said, "Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go." And finally, in Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so just, you know, once again, that comes straight from the Lord's word. And when, whenever we're in a, a, a trial or a struggle or, or strife, that's where we need to look. We need to look to, to God's word and, and to drawing closer to the Lord when we have those. Let's go ahead, flip over to Job 38, and let's see what exactly the Lord has to say to Job. So 
So remember, this, is, this has been 35 chapters that we skipped over, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff to pull out of there. I encourage you guys, read it if you haven't already, or even if you have, I'm sure you'll get something new out of it. But it's been 35 chapters that, that Job and his friends are kind of going back and forth, and, and Job's wanting to hear from God. And so Job is asked repeatedly, and now when God comes and has this conversation with Job, he's not going to have it on Job's terms, right? This is going to be on the Lord's terms, right? So 38 verse 1 says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. How many people would like John, would like God to, to ask you a question like that, right? So yeah, we, uh, we see that God comes down and he says, Job, you know, you, you've been asking for answers from me. Well, before I answer you, let me ask you a couple questions, right? Let me ask you a couple questions. If you can answer me, you know, then, then we'll, we'll go from there, right? Um, and so this kind of made me think like, you know, what, what have I questioned the Lord about recently? Um, you know, what, what doubts have I had or, or what things, you know, have I said, man, Lord, why would you let that happen? Or, you know, why, why would this happen? You know, I, I always think of like these, these shootings that keep happening, right? Or, you know, the terrorist attacks that, that happen, all these different things. You know, we just had it in, in Florida and uh, some more shooting. And, you know, it, it always makes me think like, you know, God, why would you let that, that stuff happen? You know, you could stop it, you could prevent it, you know, and you could do it for, for your glory, um, but what I remember when, when I have those kind of thoughts or those kind of things, and especially in my own life, it's always, it's always hurts more when it's personal, when it's actually something going on in your life. What I try to remember is, you know, who is God and who am I, right? God, you know, we're going to, we're going to see here, God's going to list his resume, right? And so God is, is God and I'm not. And I need to keep that in mind when I have these questions, right? Because, and that's how you guard questions from turning into doubts. You know, it's, it's okay for us to have questions, but what we really have to guard against is not letting our questions start turning into doubting, right? Where we start doubting what God has promised or doubting the things that God has said, right? It's perfectly okay for us to say, God, I really don't understand. Please give me understanding. Please give me wisdom. That's totally fine. But when we get to the point where we're like starting to say, God, I don't know if you know what you're doing. God, I don't think you're here. You know, you're the absentee landlord. You just set the world spinning and left. That's when we start getting in trouble, right? We start getting in trouble. And so we have to remember that questions are okay, but doubts is something that we have to, we have to constantly stay guard of. So uh, while I read through these, I'm going to read a big section right now. I just kind of want you guys to meditate on who God is and his magnificence and his glory, right? Um, I, you know, as far as I can tell in Job, you know, God isn't saying this to kind of beat his chest. You know, God is, is teaching Job a lesson of who God is, right? And, and what I want us to take from here is what I think Job ultimately took from this is, is us to have confidence in who God is. And no matter what's happening to us, right, if, if the house is blown down and all our, the money's disappeared from the bank, you know, we still need to have confidence in who God is and, and what he's done. So here we go. Verse 38, or chapter 38, verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have under uh, understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? 
To what were its foundations fastened, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, when I mixed my limits for it, and set bars and doors, when I said, This far you may come, but no further, and here your proud waves must stop, have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It makes, uh, it takes on form like clay under a seal, and stands out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and the upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the springs of the sea, or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light and darkness? Where is its place, that you may take it to its territory, that you may know the path its home? Do you know it because you were born then, or because the number of your days is great? Have you entered the treasury of snow, or have you seen the treasury of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? Do you, uh, what way, uh, by what way is light diffused, or the east wind scattered over the earth? Who has divided a channel for the overflowing water, or a path for the thunderbolt, to cause it to rain on a, a land where there is no one? a wilderness in which there is no man to satisfy the desolate waste, the cause, uh, and cause to spring forth the growth of tender grass. Has the rain a father, or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice, and the frost of heaven, who gives it birth? The waters harden like stone, and the surface of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the clusters of the uh, Pleiades, or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Meseroth in its season, or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds, that an abundance of water may cover you? Can you send out lightning, that they may go and say to you, Here we are? Who has put wisdom in the mind, or who has given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds by wisdom, or who can pour out the bottles of heaven when the dust hardens and clumps and the clods cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lurk in the lairs to lie and wait? Who provides food for the raven when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? So God keeps going right? He keeps going with his resume. But I, I think for, for the sake of our study, we'll, we'll stop there. Um, but, you know, I can't, I can't keep uh, help, but, you know, the Lord repeats over and over again, where were you, right? And there's a point in there where he says to Job, you know, or, were, you, were you born that day? Are your days so great that, that you've seen these things, that you were there when I created the earth? Um, and, you know, uh, when I read this, it brings on like a reverence, right? Um, I just was having a, a discussion with someone else and, you know, they, they were saying that the fear of the Lord comes up a lot, right? What is that? What does that exactly mean? Um, and to me, this is, this kind of 
illustrates that, right? That that the Lord was there when the earth was created. He measured it. He's storing up, you know, rain and, and hail and snow and silos for, for times of war and trouble. You know, and, and that kind of resume, you have to be reverent to someone like that. You know, someone with that amount of power and that amount of control over everything. Um, you know, even if you're, you're not a believer, there has to be a reverence to someone that has that kind of authority, right? Um, and so to me, when I, when I read that, that's really what hits me. And I think that's what hit Job, right? Job was sitting here and he was looking at just his life. He was looking at the events that had happened just to him. And the Lord says, I've been, you know, making sure the sun rises and sets every day, right? I've made sure that the lions had food that the raven babies could eat, right? I've, I'm making sure everything's happening just the way I want it. And Job, you thought I forgot about you? You know, you thought that I, I missed you in all of this while I was, you know, having the seasons and, and moving the constellations through the sky and, you know, all of these things. And, and I, I forgot you. And, you know, and he's going to go on to show that he didn't forget him. But God is making his case on, on who the best judge is for these events. Right. So Job says, you know, I, I think that, you know, I've been wronged. I'm not sin. I haven't sinned. I haven't done anything egregious. But yet this has been the hand that I'm dealt and, you know, now God's saying, well, let's compare resumes and see who's the rightful person to judge what should and shouldn't be happening right now, right? Um, so without the, the, the knowledge of God, Job and ourselves, we don't have enough facts for us to even, you know, be in the conversation, you know, for us to even try and say, Lord, I, I know what's best for myself. Let me work it out, right? Because we don't have that knowledge. We don't have what, what God has. And so let's go to chapter 42. We'll start in verse 1. It says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard uh, of you by the hearing of the ear, uh, but now my eyes see, see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so Job comes to a, a place of repentance, you know. And and it was, it was funny. The first few, you know, I said I, I always have new revelations whenever you read through a book and you know i always got to this point before and i'm like yeah that's right job the lord's the lord you know who do you think you are you know um but when i read through it this time you know i start to think man like i don't think i could have handled it as so good you know i don't think i could have handled it like job handled it you know not not to not even to talk about the beginning where everything stripped from him in a matter of minutes you know, obviously Job handled that better than I would. But even here, you know, the Lord laying his resume out, you know, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I, I'm, I can be quick with excuses, you know. When, when my wife asked me to, to do something, you know, like, hey, can you take the trash out, you know. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll get around to it. And then I forget or, or don't. You know, I can be quick with, well, I had this to do, I had that to do, I got caught up doing that, the kids were crazy, you know, whatever the excuse is. I can be, I can be quick with the excuses, right? And I think here, you know, Job, you know, I, if I'm honest and I think myself, if I was Job, I would say, Lord, I, I, I get it, but, you know, 
but it was, it was really hard, Lord. I was, I was trying to follow you. I was doing everything I can. Everything was ripped away from me, Lord. Can't you, can't you see where my emotion was in this? But Job doesn't say that, right? Job doesn't plead with the Lord to understand his case. Job understands the Lord knows, right? Um, and Job just goes to a place of repentance and just says, Lord, you know, forgive me. I just want to be close to you. So let's look at Job being restored, right? I, I didn't want to finish this even with Job repenting. Let's, uh, let's take a look at uh, verse 12. Verse 12, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, he had uh, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. So I just wanted to, t- to make note here, back in chapter 1, verse 3, we were told what Job had, right? And so this is exactly double what Job had in the beginning. So the Lord doesn't simply restore Job to where he was. He pours out blessings upon him. He doubles everything that he had. And then uh, verse 13 says, He also had seven sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the first son Jemimiah, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Hapach. Uh, in all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 104 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. So the Lord restores Job's wealth and, and his prosperity, doubles it even. Then he, he gives him his seven sons and three daughters back. Um, and, and the daughters are more beautiful than, than any other in the land. Um, and then, you know, he, after taking Job's initial family away, God allows Job to see his family for four generations. And so, you know, this just reminds me of God's, God's grace. And, you know, even though we might be going through something now with the Lord, that the Lord has much better in store for us right? And we're called, you know, like Job did his best to do, we're called to just walk with the Lord through it, right? Do our best not to doubt, do our best not to, you know, walk away from God, um, but to simply draw near. So my question for you guys is like, where are you at today, right? With where, where do you relate with Job? Um, maybe you're like Job in the beginning of chapter one, and, and you're walking blameless with the Lord, and everything's great, you know, praise the Lord for that, you know, and I, I want to encourage you to, to keep walking with the Lord and enjoy this season, and don't let the, the worry of future seasons come into that, right? Enjoy today. Enjoy what the Lord has given you today. Um, maybe you're more like Job in, in the latter part of chapter 1 and, and in chapter 2, um, where you're, you're right in the middle of a storm, right? The Lord's just destroying everything uh, as far as your eye can see. Um, for you, I want to encourage you, don't forget that the Lord's near, right? Don't, uh, you know, it's okay to question, right? It's okay to have questions. It's okay to take your questions to the Lord. Um, but guard against that doubt. Guard against that point where the questions start turning into, you know, disbelief in what God has promised or, or the fact that you can't see a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And then maybe you're like Job uh, in, the, in the middle 35 chapters, you know, that we didn't read, but where Job feels like God has abandoned him, right? At least in the storm, you know God's there, 
stirring everything up, right? But in the middle 35 chapters, there's nothing. And maybe that's where you're at now, right? Maybe you've been seeking the Lord for something or, you know, you feel like you're, you're just in this season where, you know, the God's not talking to you, God's not hearing, you're not hearing from him. Um, remember that uh, the promises that we went through, remember that God will not leave you, right? Um, and if, if you're in a place today where, where you don't know the Lord, right, these promises can apply to you. The Lord wants to know you. The Lord wanted to know Job, right? Even through this situation, Job's knowledge and relationship with the Lord was strengthened immensely, right? And that's, that's what God wants to have for you. He, he loves us so much that he sent his only son to live a perfect life and to die and be the sacrifice that we can never give for ourselves. So, you know, if, if that's you and you don't know the Lord, please, you know, talk, talk to me or some of the people in the back, and we'd love to, to tell you about Jesus and what he's done and, and how that, that relates to, to the teaching today. But um, I hope you guys got something from this. You know, go into this week and, and just remember, no matter where you're at, God's near, right? If you need him, his word's not far away. Pick it up, read it, you know, talk to your brothers and sisters, and, and uh, just get as close to the Lord as you can. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Um, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that uh, we live in a time where we can have your word so readily available to us. Lord, it's on our phones. It's on our computers. We have probably more Bibles than we can count at home. And Lord, I just pray that we would use those resources, that we would uh, we would not uh, let other venues or other source, sources take your place, Lord, that uh, we would uh, turn the TV off for a while or get off the social media, um, and we would just seek you, Lord. Um, that's our privilege, Lord. That's our the privilege we have to, to have your words already available, to have your Holy Spirit that lives within us, Lord. I just pray that we would take advantage of that, that we would grasp that, um, and we would understand what a, what a better position we are in than Job to suffer through even the hardships that he did, Lord. I pray you would uh, bless our time after, bless, bless the worship, Lord. It's in the name of your Son, I pray. Amen.